Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so today we're reading The Pesky Kids 5, The Final Mission, and we're up to Chapter 25, Capture the Potato. So we're almost all the way through this book. I think it's only going to take us another couple of weeks and we'll be done. So that's pretty awesome. All right, so let's get into it today. Capture the Potato. Here we go. It was a crazy day in Currawong. The whole town had set aside dignity, normality and reason, coming together as one to enjoy a celebration of potatoes. It sounds ludicrous, potatoes being celebrated, but which of our public holidays isn't ludicrous when you think about it? At Easter, we celebrate a bunny rabbit hopping around leaving chocolate eggs in the garden. At Christmas, we celebrate an overweight man breaking into houses through the chimney. Even New Year is ridiculous. Everyone goes out in the middle of the night and the government sets off fireworks just because the numerical system by which we keep track of our calendar is going to change by one digit. Really, all holidays are bizarre. People just don't think about it because they've been celebrating them the same way for centuries. So why not stop everything and take a day off to celebrate potatoes? Potatoes are delicious, particularly when fried and covered liberally in salt. They're lovely mashed or baked or roasted. Really, it's amazing more people don't celebrate these wonderful tubers. The town of Currawong had been celebrating the potato pageant for 57 years. So for anyone younger than that, it was every bit as much a part of their heritage as all the more traditional holidays celebrated by the rest of the world. As such, when the sun rose over the Daffodil Gardens, everyone proud to call themselves a Currawongian was in a buoyant mood. The flower beds looked beautiful. The gardeners had made sure they were crowded with blooms, especially for the occasion. And the fish pond that snaked the length of the garden had even been cleaned, so it looked nice. Crowds of excited locals and bemused tourists were milling about, getting food from street vendors, finding the best viewing spot and catching up with friends as they waited for the capture the potato game to kick off. Currawongians took these celebrations seriously. Lots of people were dressed up in potato-themed clothes or wearing potato earrings made out of actual potatoes, so they must have had very strong earlobes. Two people were even dressed up as potatoes in very convincing human-sized potato suits. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Lang's voice resounded over the PA system. He was standing at the rostrum in the centre of the gardens. Everyone was ignoring him, being much more interested in the baked potatoes they were eating or potato costumes they were gossiping about than what the local high school teacher had to say. Ladies and gentlemen, he repeated. Still, no one fell silent. April heckled. I don't think there are any ladies or gentlemen here. Citizens of Currawong, tried Mr Lang. That got more attention. As your acting mayor, it gives me great pleasure. 
But everyone had started talking again. You lot, sit down! Mr Lang barked into the microphone, using his best teacher's voice. This worked. The crowd begrudgingly started making their way to the stands set up all around the outer perimeter of the gardens. Thank you, said Mr Lang. Welcome to the first stage of the potato festivities. The capture the potato game between Currawong High and St Anthony's College. There was polite applause. St Anthony's has won for the last 17 years in a row, said Mr Lang. Currawong High hasn't won since the great food poisoning outbreak at St Anthony's 18 years ago. There was booing from the St Anthony's fans as they remembered this and snickering from the Currawong supporters. It was widely known that the St Anthony's team had been tricked into giving themselves food poisoning when a chocolate mud cake laced with laxatives had been left in their team dressing room the night before the match. Allow me to introduce the teams. This year, competing for St Anthony's, we have, Mr Lang read from a list of names, Bretta Magnusson, Peter Vonderporten, Sue Burnett, Beau Devereaux, Victor Chung and... The crowd was clapping politely as each competitor jogged onto the field. There were a few polite whoops and hurrahs from the St Anthony section of the crowd for specific players. Mr Lang continued, and their captain, Daisy Odin's daughter. The rest of the crowd exploded into a storm of booing. Eventually, everyone got exhausted with booing and started branching out into hissing and abuse hurling, just to mix things up. Daisy didn't seem to mind. She bounced athletically on the spot, smirking to herself, occasionally shaking her fist at individual spectators if she caught a particularly offensive piece of abuse. And from Currawong High, continued Mr Lang, we have Kieran Peterson, Animesh Jane, Wendy de Groot, Simon Pomfries, Loretta Viswanathan, Boo! The St Anthony's portion of the crowd started howling at this name, but Loretta just smiled and waved back at them charmingly, and the booing soon lost steam. After all, St Anthony's had expelled her, so if she wasn't playing for them, they only had themselves to blame. And their captain, continued Mr Lang, Joe Pesky. There was loud cheering at this name. In the crowd, Mum was surprised by all the fuss. Why is everyone cheering Joe? Mum asked Finn. Ah, because everyone loves him, explained Finn. They do? asked Mum. Joe had always been so shy. She'd been to one parent-teacher interview when Joe was in year five, where his teacher hadn't even realised he was in the class. Why? He's the best lawn bowls player in the town, said Finn. That's a big deal around here. Plus he won the mud run, added April. Yeah, said Finn. And I doubt there's an old lady in town who he hasn't helped by carrying her groceries to a car. Mum looked about at the crowd. Everyone was smiling, clapping and cheering for her oldest son. She'd always thought of him as a mushroom boy, someone who grew in the quiet and shadow. But here, he was in the spotlight, thriving. He'd grown up while she was away. The only person who doesn't like him is Daisy Odin's daughter, added Finn, as he pointed her out on the field. Daisy's teammates had to grab hold of her jersey and hold her back as she lunged forward with her fist raised, clearly trying to plant a punch on Joe before the game had even begun. I'll go over the rules, said Mr Lang. Out in the gardens, the teams were talking among themselves. Why bother? asked Kieran. Everyone knows them. They're always the same. I don't, admitted Joe, standing in the garden and in front of thousands of spectators, was making him feel physically ill. He was regretting the three baked potatoes he'd just eaten before he walked on. Didn't you teach him? Animesh demanded of Loretta. Of course, said Loretta, time and time again. 
But the problem with being this beautiful, Loretta indicated her own face, is the boys tend to take in visual information at the expense of auditory information. So when I'm talking, particularly if I'm smiling, they don't hear a word I say. Huh? said Animesh. He'd stopped listening to Loretta to marvel at how pink her lips were. Exactly, said Loretta. Mr Lang was continuing with his explanation. Each team shall be given a sack full of Bromwell Browns. The crowd broke out in cheers just at the name of their beloved potato. Each Bromwell Brown is marked with a CH or a SA to show which team it belongs to and prevent anyone trying to make substitutions. The crowd booed at this. In the crowd, Matilda turned beetroot red. This is what she'd done the previous year, which is why you now had to be over 13 to compete. Poor Matilda, said Loretta. She will persist in cheating at every possible opportunity, and yet she's always so bad at it. The object of the game is to protect your sack while trying to steal the other team, said Mr Lang. To aid them, they will be given two more sacks of unmarked potatoes to throw at their opponents to fend them off. Any player hit by a potato must immediately return to their home base and cannot rejoin the game until they have done so. The crowd clapped and cheered. St Anthony's, your home base is the Bluebell Garden at the south end of the fish pond, announced Mr Lang. Karawong High, you are based in the Delphinium bed on the north side. Whoever gets the opposing team's marked potatoes first wins. The crowd cheered and stomped their feet on the temporary seating, which was really unwise because Constable Pike had erected the seating the night before. He had no idea about engineering and the easy-to-follow instructions were in Swedish and therefore not easy to follow at all. Take your positions, called Mr Lang. He was starting to enjoy himself. Normally, when he yelled at people, he was telling them off. This made a nice change. The teams picked up their sacks and started jogging, or more realistically, shuffling to their destination flower beds. It's hard to run when you're carrying 30 kilograms of spuds. On your marks, said Mr Lang. All the competitors stood with one foot on the flower bed and another on the turf, ready to run. Now remember our strategy, urged Loretta. Get set, called Mr Lang. Good luck, everyone, said Joe. Go, Mr Lang bellowed. The crowd burst into a roar of cheering. All the competitors started running off in different directions. Wendy and Simon dashed over to a pine tree to take cover. Joe dragged all three sacks behind a rubbish bin where he would be shielded and the others followed. They only just got there in time before a hail of potatoes thudded into the side of the steel bin. Joe flinched, but better the bin than his head. Quick, load us up, urged Kieran. Joe's fingers were shaking as he tried to undo the sack. Let me, said Loretta. She took a comb out of her pocket. You're not going to comb the potatoes, asked Kieran. No, silly, said Loretta. She twisted the handle of the comb and a knife flicked out. Cool, said Animesh. Loretta cut the string and 30 kilograms of potatoes tumbled out at their feet. OK, off you go, boys. The boys used their shirts to scoop up the potatoes, and once they had a full load, they set to work, sprinting out to advanced positions while dodging incoming potatoes and throwing back missiles of their own. Joe took cover behind a picnic table. He'd seen Bretta trying to sneak around the left flank of the park, and he'd driven her back with some well-aimed shots. Wendy and Simon had two St Anthony's players pinned down. But where was Daisy? She was the real threat. Joe soon found out. There was a blood-curdling war cry. 
Daisy was sprinting across the park towards him. Joe ducked under the table, but Daisy ran right up and over the top of the table. She was heading straight for their home base. Joe had to do something, or the whole game would be over in three seconds. It didn't feel right to throw something at a girl. It was against his every instinct, but he did just that. He pelted a potato at her as she leapt off the tabletop and into the air. But Daisy had been taking gymnastics at the PCYC since she was three years old. She simply tucked into a tight spin and the potato sailed past her. She landed catlight on the ground. Eat my dust, loser, Daisy called back to Joe. But turning to gloat had been a mistake. As she pushed up from her crouch to start running again, Loretta stepped out from behind the rubbish bin. Daisy saw her and raised a potato ready to throw. But Loretta threw hers first. All Daisy's momentum was pushing her forward, so she couldn't change direction. Loretto's potato hit her with full force in the nose, and Daisy dropped like a proverbial sack of potatoes. Oh, oops. So sorry, said Loretta. Odin Stoddart, return to base, ordered Mr Lang. Daisy groaned, rolled over, and started dazedly making her way back. Now's the time, Joe, called Loretta. Time for our plan. Harness your rage. Think of the egg and bacon rolls. Joe nodded. He turned back to face St. Anthony's. Joe had the best throwing arm in the team. He could throw potatoes 60 metres consistently, time after time. And St. Anthony's home base was 60 metres away. He tipped out his potatoes and started raining them down on the other team. Around him, the game raged on. Daisy soon regathered herself and pushed forward with her teammates, getting them to cover her as she moved from one defensive position to the next. She was a superb athlete. Even with Simon, Wendy, Kieran and Animesh trying to pin her down, they couldn't stop her slow but steady progress. Meanwhile, the other half of her team were pushing up the opposite flank. Simon and Wendy moved over to block their progress. The whole while, Joe kept hurling spuds. Behind him, Joe heard a splash. Someone had fallen in the pond. Joe reached down to throw another potato, but there was none there. He glanced down at his feet. Nothing. He was out. It was time for the second stage of Plan P. Joe rolled out from behind the table and set off sprinting. He had no idea what was going on with the rest of the game. He just knew the potatoes were flying at him from every direction. Joe ducked and weaved like a soldier trying to evade sniper fire. From the corner of his eye, he saw someone moving even faster than him, but in the other direction. Daisy. Joe pushed forward. St Anthony's flowerbed was only ten metres away now. He ran as fast as his lungs and legs would allow him. But when he was just two metres short, he felt it. A painful blow, right between the shoulder blades. Joe stumbled, falling face forward into the loose dirt of the flowerbed. The crowd groaned, except for the St Anthony supporters who cheered. Joe rolled over, scraped the dirt out of his eyes and looked up, just in time to see Daisy at the Currawong end of the gardens. She was standing next to the rubbish bin, holding up a potato sack. We have a winner, declared Mr Lang. St Anthony's have the Currawong High sack. The St Anthony's team were hugging each other and high-fiving. Their defenders ran the length of the gardens to join the celebrations. Congratulations, began Mr Lang, but he was interrupted by a piercing whistle. Not so fast, called Loretta. Everyone turned to look. She'd climbed out of the far end of the fish pond, a snorkel hanging from her head. She stepped onto the bluebell bed and picked up St Anthony's sack. I have the St Anthony's sack, said Loretta. We are the winners. But they got to your sack first, said Mr Lang. Did they? asked Loretta. Check the sack. You can't boss the umpire about, snapped Daisy. 
Before the winner is announced, it's the job of the umpire to check the winner's sack, said Kieran. It's all here in the rules. Kieran whipped out a small rule booklet from his pocket. He was a stickler for all rules, especially the ones he knew about that no one else did. What's to check? demanded Daisy petulantly. It's a sack! Daisy held up the sack for everyone to see. Check the contents, said Loretta. Daisy ripped open the sack and tipped it on the flower bed. Thirty kilograms of apples, shiny green apples, rolled out. There were gasps from the crowd, muttering as people were explaining to people who couldn't see properly what was going on. It's apples, not potatoes! And then more muttering from the confused people who didn't understand. But I thought it was the potato festival. The apple festival's in May. The babble of the crowd was good because it drowned out the colourful language Daisy was using. Where are they? demanded Daisy. Yes, the potatoes must stay in the field of play in clear sight the whole time, said Mr Lang. We know the rules, said Kieran. Our potatoes were in plain sight the whole time, said Loretta. We threw them at you. Loretta bent down and picked up a potato from the flower bed at her feet. She held it up for Mr Lang to see the marking. C-H, marvelled Mr Lang. She cheated, accused Daisy. Oh no, said Loretta, smiling. Everything we did was within the rules. The best way to stop you capturing our potatoes was to throw them at you, so you'd think they were worthless. I had my lawyer check the rules thoroughly to be sure. She costs $800 an hour, so she doesn't make mistakes with that sort of thing. Mr Lang flicked through the rule booklet Kieran had handed him, shaking his head. The rules are very straightforward. This isn't cheating, said Mr Lang with a shrug. It's strategy. Currawong High are the winners. Daisy threw down her empty sack and sprinted for Joe. I'm going to kill you, she screamed. Joe did the only thing a gentleman could do in the circumstances. He ran away, dodging around trees and bushes to avoid her. Loretta and the rest of the Currawong High team went over to shake hands with the remaining St Anthony's players. They were disappointed to lose, but relieved that Daisy was taking her anger out on Joe, not them. Then they all went over to the rostrum where Mr Lang presented Currawong High with a winner's potato sack. I'm very proud to announce, declared Mr Lang, that for the first time in 18 years, Currawong High are the winners of the Capture the Potato game. He handed Loretta a golden sack. She held it up triumphantly and the crowd roared cheers of approval. Mr Lang put his hand over the microphone and spoke to her. Uh, should we do something to help Joe? Joe had managed to leap up and grab a branch too high for Daisy to reach, then pulled himself up into the tree. He was safe from physical harm, but Daisy still stood beneath him, hurling abuse and leaping in the air, desperately trying to clutch at him. Oh no, said Loretta. Best just to leave her to tuck herself out. She'll run out of steam eventually. All right, said Mr Lang, returning to talk into the microphone. The first event of the day is over. We will reconvene in one hour on Main Street for the main attraction of the day, the Potato Princess Parade. Please enjoy all the potato-based refreshments available in the refreshment tent in the meantime. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there for now. Until next time, goodbye.